Today's episode brought to you by BossPods.com. Want a podcast like a boss? We've got the inside word on how to set up a podcast that's actually worth something. We've got the industry's best to show you how. BossPods.com. Podcast like a boss. I am super excited about these uh, these new microphones I got. I'm super excited about them as well. Mm. So you were telling me uh, before about this new television show that you're making. Yes. Well, it actually came through, I think, Linton, actually. He got second in MasterChef. Mm. So he and he was working with um, Northern Territory Tourism and then one thing led to another and then kind of the proposal of, you know, would you be interested in doing a TV show? And he was like, yeah, you know, that's that's really cool. And they were asking him, you know, who he'd like to co-host with. And he said, oh, my friend Emma, um, who, you know, well, we worked together on MasterChef. Well, worked together, good word. Mm. Um, we were on MasterChef together. And um, and I suppose because we just kind of were really true to ourselves. Like, that's kind of – and we weren't – we didn't go on, I don't know, I didn't go on MasterChef to become famous. I actually went on MasterChef to open up a restaurant with my now ex-partner, unfortunately. And so the reason why I haven't is because a whole range of reasons, but also because of that. But I've always really been into food. So the the otherwise a girl that come to a party with a bottle of champagne and a cake. Like, so that was kind of, you know, my thing. And Carrot so, cake? Yeah, can I know. It was probably a cheesecake or a pavlova. Oh, pavlova. Pavlova. Hello, pavlova. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so what's, the, uh, what's the premise of the show? It's based in the Vic Market. So it is um, it, based in the Vic Market, produce-driven. So it's all about um, you know fresh and seasonal food and telling the stories of the storeholders and you know showcasing Melbourne as well. So it's really kind of really cool. So there's a lot of beautiful fresh fish and um, meat and fruit and vegetables as, mm. as well as chocolate and bread. Like oh, there's, there's great storeholders there. So really great bakeries and, and chocolate and um, eggs, honey. It's amazing. It's great. It's, mm, it's, it's, sounds it's, amazing. it's wonderful. And it's making food accessible again. Like I think food has got people are scared to cook for each other again and I think people are scared to cook for each other and so I think it's I don't know really it makes me kind of sad people like oh I can't have you around for dinner because you know you know I can't cook I'm like I'd be happy with you know cheese on toast like the fact that you've made it for me is is, is the gesture rather than mm. the end product yeah and, um, and that's when I really got into food I loved it because it was creative and you shared it with people and then it was gone, and it was before Instagram and before mobile phone photos, and and I loved that. It was kind of like a little mini exhibition hmm. in an evening with your friends and you know some wine, and it was great. And you made this beautiful food, and then it was gone. So I think that's been forgotten about that. You don't actually have to photograph it and, and Instagram it. You yeah. can just enjoy it, just be in the moment. That's what mm. I like about food. And I often forget to take photos of all my food because I, like one time I had this great dinner party. It was awesome. And the, I took a photo of some some sliced up beautiful red onions. And then I, I, the next morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, I didn't take any more photos. Like, oh, no. So I like that kind of about food. What's cooking? Good people of the Coming Up Next work, welcome to another ramble of epic proportions here in the chat cave that is Coming Up Next with Alastair Marks. That's me. I am your loyal podcast host, Alastair Marks. And let me tell you, this week's guest is on absolute fire. She's currently shooting her own cooking show, having released her own cookbook after winning the fifth season of MasterChef Australia. My guest this week is the one and the only Emma Dean, and you can find out more about her on Facebook at facebook.com slash Emma Dean Cooks and on her website, which is emmadean.com.au. And my friends, while you've got your computer open, either portable or desktop, you might as well open up your iTunes account, search for Coming Up Next under podcasts, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Believe it or not, it really does help me to push the show and keep bringing you inspiring stories from some of the world's top creatives. You might say it's all part of the recipe for success. A recipe my guest this week, Emma Dean, knows very well indeed. So there's 
so many things that I'd um, that I'd love to hook in from that. I guess in that you you talked a lot about what you love about food. Mm. Uh, is this something that came about around the time that you're on MasterChef, or is this something that you've always loved food? Always. I, I suppose I went on MasterChef when I was 35. And I've been really, like, I, for my 16th birthday, I made a bombalaska, you know, so that was 20 years mm. beforehand. I, and I was probably, I probably bought the ice cream. I wouldn't have made the ice cream because I think I tried to make ice cream when I was, like, 14 because mum never bought us ice cream. I'm like, I'm going to make ice cream. And it was <laughs> awful. We didn't have a churn. I like, put it in the put it in the fridge and then or freezer and then try to whisk it up and freeze it again and whisk it up. It was just a big clump of goop. Mm. Um, so, but I made this bomb Alaska, so I moulded ice cream and put egg, whipped egg white on the, around it and then I baked it in a really hot oven or blowtorch it. I can't remember. I was pretty happy though when I mm. actually uh, did it. So yeah, for really, and I, you know, for my 18th birthday, I had a big vegetarian feast of love because I was vegetarian and just had these really great kind of parties. And then my friend, my best friend, she lived in um, Castlemaine. I lived in um, Bendigo and she was from this Irish Catholic family and they had big celebrations and long tables in wilderness gardens and like fairies and crazy stuff like really great imagination and you know always tied together with food and you know I um, went to uni and I was a poor uni student but I was really curious about Melbourne because I moved to Melbourne I was like this whole new wonderland of just amazing and I lived on Victoria Street in uh, Richmond Mm. and so Back then, you could get you know dinner for four dollars fifty, which is pretty cool. Hmm. And I was vegetarian as well, so I, it was pretty easy to eat cheaply. And then just finding all of the different precincts in Melbourne, and then and also if I couldn't afford to eat it, I'd try and make it. So I'd try and look for different things on how to make you know different bits and pieces. And I got some great friends, like one friend's um, from Lithuania, and he's really into like big kind of Sunday dinners and you know just really great and the great stories you get from friends when you just chat about food everyone's connected to food so that's why I think it's quite it's quite amazing so you said you were you were in Bendigo is that where you Mm, grew up that's where I grew up right Mm. and you grew up um I read somewhere that you grew up sort of picking your own produce and and, uh, you have a you uh, remember planting pumpkin seeds when you were quite yeah, young. Yeah, that's that's so funny. That 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 I remember writing that that paragraph for my cookbook, which is just there. <laughs> um, and I remember I almost didn't write it. Like I was just hanging, just bashing it out, and then I like had to go and do something. So I left it, and then that 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 quotes for news heaps. But yeah, so my parents were both teachers, and they were pretty self sufficient. And they would plant a lot of their own fruits and vegetables. So we we lived off pumpkins for the whole year. Like wow. we grew, yeah, and like it was only about five acres they would have had. And we, you know, had a few sheep and a few cows, you know, which um, we ended up eating. So I knew from a really early age where food come from, and mm. I was uh, had a real deep respect for life and and for animals. And that's probably why I was vegetarian for. Um, I was vegetarian for 12 years. I didn't want to eat my pet cow. We had potty calves and that we fed and then sold to market to make pocket money. And I didn't want to have pet, eat my pet cow and then I had a bet with my sister and then, you know, stubborn teenage girls and ended up, I, I won. Um, <laughs> Wait, what was the bet? Who could be the vegetarian the longest? It was, right. it was dumb. Like, you know, a 12-year-old and a 14, 15-year-old. That's a good bet. Yeah, it was a good bet. Um, and <laughs> I was kind of, I got, it was because of that, I studied the politics of food at uni and, mm politics of environment and really you know got a great understanding about the, yeah the politics of food production like it's and it's still ongoing I probably need to refresh a lot of my knowledge and yeah so and I love my parents you know they preserved and pickled a lot of their all of their produce because they were from kind of the frugals like their parents were frugals from the they, they didn't have much money and yeah, they really had a great understanding on how to make things last. And I think that's really, really fantastic because it, my mum still does. Like she, I'll call her up and she go, oh, yeah, me, yeah. I'm like, hi, mum, how are you going? Oh, yeah, I've just um, picked all the apricots and I've just made jam and preserved them all. Yeah, it's really good. And, and then another time, oh, hi, Emmy. Like, hi, mum, how are you going? Like, oh, yeah, I've just um, done done 10 roosters. So she'll the roosters that don't, they don't lay eggs, she'll 
fatten them up and then put chop their heads off and put them in the freezer. Like she right. still does that. Wow. Like, and it's like it's nothing for her. Yeah. It's like it's, it's just every kind of day, and you know, and it's just how she is. It sounds like food is something that is a really strong uh, element in your family and in your upbringing and and kind of where you've come from. Yeah, it is, but it's not like a. I suppose my mum, yeah, she's totally organic. Like she likes to eat, she eats organic and, and you know, she really is like really into it. But it's not something that we push down people's throat. It's just really kind of normal. Like it's it's nothing unusual, I think. Yeah, but no, it is pretty important. Like we do, like really good food is awesome. Mm. If it's fresh and it's grown well and it's, you know, it's delicious. Mm. Do, do you remember the first time that you that you ever cooked? For anyone, um, perhaps as a child or something. Yeah, I remember mum. I remember sitting with mum. I would have been before school started, and I remember cracking eggs into the fruit cake. I remember handling the kidneys for steak and kidney pie. I was just transfixed by them because they were an entity unto themselves. They, their a kidney is it's a whole organ, and I was like, "This is amazing!" As a little <laughs> kid, and um. And mum would make bread, so she made this amazing molasses bread. It was like, it was tough as, it was dense, um, mm. but she put in molasses and I just loved the process. So I would have been about three or four. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I said to mum, oh, I said to mum, dad, oh, you guys were like, you know, real, real hippies when you were young. And dad goes, no, it was just interest rates were 18%. So they had their, bought their own home and... Interest rates were eighteen percent, mm. and so mum was a, um, a stay-at-home mum, and so they just they made everything mm. just to get by. Eighteen percent, holy yeah, yeah, holy poo, holy poo. All right, <laughs> yeah, big effort. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is an incredible effort. And mm. so when you was was cooking something that you enjoyed doing through school and through high school, or was it just something that was part of your kind of family identity? If we wanted cake, we had to make it. Mm. So we didn't. I would. We never went out for food. It was weird. So Mum would make um, a boiled fruit cake every week, and um, if we went to sporting events, we'd always have our own packed sandwiches and um, and um, fruit cake and a thermos. Do you remember feeling like jealous or anything of other kids that would have like sort of no, bought stuff really or pre-made stuff? No, it was really weird. I was just like, oh yeah. yeah. Um, Did you trade your sandwich for a roll-up? I think, uh, yeah, like my friend, no, well, maybe it was just Epsom Primary School. We didn't have, we didn't have um, lunch orders that much. Someone did have roll-ups. I remember my friend Tanya Johnson, she had um, gherkin spread and cheese in her sandwiches. I always really wanted that. Mum, <laughs> mum wouldn't buy a gherkin spread. Like, why would you buy gherkin spread? It was packed full of sugar. So even that kind of nutritional uh, stuff was really sort of ingrained into you from an early yeah, age. Yeah, 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 pretty. Yeah, I don't never really thought about it, but yeah, it has been, I suppose. Yeah, mm. It's really, really, really funny. And I just loved, like, my granny would make just, she'd, she'd, we used to do horse, horse riding stuff and she'd come... And she'd make these soft white rolls. So we, I thought a soft white roll was a treat mm. because mum would make this molasses bread. So granny would come with these soft white rolls and cheese and like beetroot out of a can. I'm like, oh my God, these are amazing. It's like, this is like lollies, like lolly sandwich. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but, but then, and so we got mint sliced biscuits on our birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah, so mm, that was kind of... That's a treat. Yeah, it was a treat. It was a massive yeah. treat. And for our birthday, you'd have like two or three kids and then over as a friends and then we'd have... I'd ask mum, she'd, she'd make profiteroles and I just loved them. So like, can you make me profiteroles? And so have sandwiches and profiteroles and pack them in sliced biscuits or something like that. <laughs> and that was it. And I just thought it was awesome. Yeah. Because that's... Yeah, it was really weird. Like, I suppose if we take um, this so much... So much normalizing now of like mm. of like everyday food, you know, is is doesn't yeah, it's not molasses bread, mm. which it's pretty awesome. And my, my mum would show we, we were hippies. <laughs> she um we had a Jersey cow and mum would milk the cow every morning and then we'd lived off that milk, mm. unpasteurized, unhomogenized milk and cream and yeah. So yeah, it, it is pretty. It is pretty pretty. 
It's amazing. We, yeah, it is amazing. But we just didn't. I just didn't it's think just normal. Just normal. Yeah. And like, and like, it wasn't because mum and dad didn't say, "Oh, we're doing this amazing, different like lifestyle." Like, look at us. Like, wow. Yeah. It was just how it was. It's, and then even when we got rid of the Jersey cow, I used to ride my bike to school. We moved up the road about a kilometre, so it was a big country road. Mm. And I had to. I used to go by the next guy, the next neighbour who had a cow, on my bike. I was in grade four, so I'd have been about 10, 11, and I'd get a bucket of milk with a lid on it. And I'd put it over my bicycle handlebars and then waddle up the road with the bucket of milk for milk for that next day. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I remember it's, I'm splashing on my legs occasionally <laughs> like, oh, not the milk on the legs. Ew. Yeah. Ew. So that kind of stuff. And it's funny because I actually saw in hard rubbish um, – Two weeks ago, it was hard rubbish around, around Northcote and there, had, there was a bucket out that was the milk bucket that I used oh, wow. to use and I almost picked it up out of hard rubbish. I'm like, Emma, do you can just leave that there? It's okay. So yeah. I let that memory go. It was, <laughs> it was like, oh my God, there's a milk bucket. And like that was from 28 years ago. Mm, different <laughs> lifetime. So it was, yeah, it's really a different lifetime. But it's so – because it had this really um, recessed lid that would pack in so it wouldn't, wouldn't – pop off when mm. on the handlebars did you ever like i remember as a kid playing like shops and things like that did you ever like play restaurant we i used to make a lot of mud pies yeah right. <laughs> we had this great cubby and we kind of had a canteen so i had these mud pies infused with gum leaves and you know we had this beautiful actually little little cast iron stove it was tiny tiny would have been you know it's half a meter wide mm. maybe, maybe 60 oh no it totally would have been like 30 centi- 40 centimeters wide and it was this it was real though dad got it out of an old an old home and um it was this little cast iron little stovetop which we used to play with it was great mm. packed in the covey yeah very cool yeah really cool and so when did you kind of first start fantasizing about opening your own restaurant we were young in early 20s. My sister and I talked about opening a bar. There was like an opportunity in Bridge Road. We are thinking about opening a bar. And, um, you know, it was kind of that kind of concept and, you know, with good bar snacks. And, um, and then, you know, cafes probably, yeah, maybe, you know, late, late 20s, early 30s. And then I did, I did meet... Uh, a dude who was a chef and like oh yeah maybe we could do this like maybe I can really do this and so but I think a restaurant is really intense I think a cafe would be probably more my my shtick Mm. Mm. before we go into where that kind of led you you actually went into town planning and and, uh, track cycling yeah well yeah so Track cycling was probably a bit more serendipitous. I lived in Canberra and it just happened to be like a track talent identification um, program and I was in Canberra. I would never have tried out if it was in Victoria. I would never have gone to the VIS mm. because it was the AIS and it was Canberra. It was kind of this weird kind of thing. And I always had kind of really strong legs and so I tried out and I was ranked the second highest in 10 second power. So wow. I can just, I've got that punch. You're either mm. born with the punch or you're not. Yeah, so, and you can't train. If you don't have that punch, you're never going to be a sprinter. So, but I've, I've got that. And I thought, oh, well, you might as well give it a go because <laughs> I was, um, I've never really been that competitive in sport with myself. I got, did horse riding a little, a little bit, but it wasn't that competitive. And a bit of tennis as a teenager, but, you know, nothing really much. I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll give it a go, you know. Mm. And um, it's pretty. In- it was pretty intense. Uh, and I, I, like, I did love the process. I loved seeing what your body can do because it's quite fascinating to see um, what training can do. Um, like it was just, and being really fit was incredible. Like it's like, wow, I feel like I'm, I can rule the world. Like just boom, and. Yeah, so that's but I and but then I kind of when it came to the pointy end, I was training to get into like the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games, and then for me to get into that, I'd have to beat the world champion mm. because the world champion was Australian, and she's and that's Anna 
and animes and she's still writing like yeah, well. yeah 14 years later so and she you know and also female track cycling female sport was really badly paid um you have to live at home your parents you don't have you know um, you work part time if at all, and I was, you know, just finishing up my masters. Um, just bought a house for my sister. Um, really, just I was trying to do it all, and I just went, I can't do this. So I, I quit, which I'm pretty happy about. I got, I got the Australian skin suit. I um, and I thought oh, that'll do. Picky mm. <laughs> <laughs> battles, and also it was it's, it's sport for me was incredibly selfish. Like you really had to prioritize yourself first, and at that point, I just didn't know. I. I yeah, so you, you couldn't, I couldn't give to my friends or my family. Like, I had to ask a lot and I just wasn't really cool with that. Mm. And I was like finishing my master's and like studying in the middle of the track and like, <laughs> you know, all over the shop. So I was. You were like, more interested in your town planning degree. Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah. So the town planning was. Um, I started off actually doing international development, um, oh, right. a master's at MIT, but I hadn't really been overseas. I hadn't been overseas, so I didn't didn't travel until a bit later and I and I lived in Canberra and I thought Canberra is a planned city and for me it didn't work for me um socially and a bit geographically so I thought maybe I should do town planning and also coming from you know risk adverse parents you know it's safe jobs and and I also thought and I wanted creatively creatively I wanted to actually I had a long-term plan which I've never done is to transfer across into urban design and or architecture because that's what I also really love as well like the design of stuff mm. and but I never did that I've just done um town planning which is, which is fine it's, and, and food I'm, design and food design so yeah so it's, it's a creative yeah so the creative thing I did always been a bit creative I did art in year 12 and music and mm. um but it's always tricky to really say I'm going to pursue a creative endeavor mm. especially when you know you come from uh, my parents are very encouraging but also you know just they they, 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 they worked really hard to yeah. get where they've they've got and i think um to pursue a full creative occupation or vocation would be i don't think i had the belief in myself to say that to my parents as a young person but as I, I was always a bit too real. Like, I was, ah. even when I, so I was trying out to get into VCA in painting and I got into the second round, you know, um, interviews and I won the art prize for year 12. Like, mm, yeah. wow. Um, and they said, oh, so oh, this is actually funny. This is a good story. Um, and they said, oh, so where can you see yourself in five years? I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'll have a cafe. I'm going to own a cafe and like, so I can make this food and like, but I'm going to show my artworks on the wall so they can people can come in and enjoy themselves and have a coffee and then maybe buy an artwork then that just didn't fly with the vca <laughs> you go you pretty much got to be like i'm gonna like you know chew blood and like you know just be amazing painter and like live off in the streets and like all i can see is the oil painting so <laughs> like my and my best friend the castlemaine person i spoke of before she's mm. she said I'm going to go to Florence and I'm going to pot and I'm going to do all this. I'm just going to just going to pot and really focus on on my medium and like and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to move the country. I'm going to dig pits. I'm going to make raku and, like, and they're like tick you're in and I'm like I'm going to be realistic and like yeah, you be know, practical yeah, and be actually practical. make a living yeah, and contribute yeah. to society. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so I've never fully even though I really love painting. Mm. You know, I I'll get there. You get there. I'll get there in so, between making tally shows. That's, that's right. That's the plan, I reckon. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a, what a cook, life. I know. If I can do that, I just, I will, I'll, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Whoa. Just whoa. One of the things I saw, I saw a, um, a video of you uh, after you won MasterChef where you talked about how one of the great things about winning it was that you would, or you hoped to inspire people to give it a go yeah or whatever their dreams are whatever whatever they 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 hope to do so what was it that actually made you kind of ditch the town planning <laughs> and the cycling and everything and all of this kind of career that you were building towards and actually give give it a go give what you wanted to do a go well i think see it's the risk adverse me though that i can all, i've always got the town planning as backup yeah right and it's always good to know that I can step out on a bit of a limb and and give things a go. 
still got to put yourself out there. You've got to put yourself out there. You do. Like, I'm terrified every single day. Like, it's – and it's extremely uncomfortable sometimes. But mm. then you just got to, yeah, give it give it a go. Um, don't be worried. Like, I, I do worry about what people think. I don't know, I really do. But then also it's like, you know, what a great opportunity. Like, why not? Like, have a, have a go. Like, mm. oh, that, like, seems like a cool idea. Like, you know, let's just – Let's just do it. Like, what are you doing? Like, let's like I, I'd love to be even more spontaneous. Like, just like boom. Let's just just go, go table to here and Paris. Yeah, go to Paris and or go to you know I, I love Paris. I did, huh. That was like my first place that I went overseas. It's my favorite. So what what was it that kind of made you kind of throw caution to the wind and decide that Master Chef was somewhere where you could pursue this dream of opening a restaurant? I thought I just I just thought it'd be good publicity to get if you did it was it's it's potentially free publicity if mm. you do open a restaurant and I just thought why not you know even if you get on that's a, that's good enough like mm. it's it's I was actually it was funny the day it was grand final day uh, in and we we're in Smith Street and we we're at Josie Bones so Chris Badendock and Julia Jenkins they were Master first series and they at their restaurant and so it's grand final day the streets are empty everyone's watching the footy and I'm just like wandering around with with my ex and we we're just chatting in this in this restaurant I'm like well, why not let's like I'll I'll go on MasterChef and give it a like, and, he, and he said to me, you're a really good cook and you've got a great personality. I think, you know, you could go all right. I'm like, all right then. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, look, I'll just, I'll humor you. I'll apply. Mm. And I had actually had pneumonia and I was home from work and I was lying in bed watching, I know, lying on the couch watching telly and they're like, oh, applications are closing for MasterChef. I'm like, oh my God, what? They're closing. And I put in an email like a few months before saying, oh, when's the application open? And they're like, oh, just check it, you know, the website every month. And I, and I didn't. So ended up bashing out an application. It was about 5,000 words, you know, in a few days and got into the audition. I thought, well, I'm in now. Like, let's give it a go. Mm. Like, let's a- apply and like do what, you know, really, you know, skill up and get all the... I had, I had a really good knowledge anyway of, of food because of my background and stuff. And also, I was a personal trainer. I, I'm always fl- flipping around doing bits and pieces. So, <laughs> I became a personal trainer because I wanted to have more of a flexible life mm. and and do pursue creative stuff. And um, I found, find the nine-to-five grind is pretty hard to do stuff. So, I became a personal trainer. So, I you know, learned a lot about nutrition as well. So, yeah. So, well, here we are. Let's just throw yourself go into it in. and, and just go in like yeah and yeah have a good time have a good time and meet some friends and and you know i've got some great friends mm. one of them's living in my front room at the moment <laughs> making a tv show together which it's is pretty, pretty amazing it's 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 bonkers it's it's um i still can't believe it. like last night i was like banging around the kitchen like holy shit like i'm so lucky like mm. this is I'm so, so lucky. Like, yeah. It's great to have that level of awareness yeah. and appreciation yeah. and gratitude because a yeah. lot of people may not. Yeah. I think that the trial by fire on, of MasterChef and a reality TV show, you, you survive and push through. Because, you know, after MasterChef, it's, it's terribly hard. Like, you know, you, you're kind of thrown in this public guy and you're not really – you're never prepared for. And I'm actually a private person, even though I'm gregarious and outgoing, I – oh this is kind of weird and um and then you get the trolls who you know hate hate on you because mm. you you beat their favorite and um just like well it's how it's edited as well so you you know and you know that you know that you know the show is edited you know that the editors love a story and and they they're on you for eight hours of the day so they pick out you know four minutes of you being a bit crazy and they love it so it's like <laughs> oh my god so what was the process like i suppose first through the auditions and then actually once you're in the in the show yeah um what what was the process like i knew it was a, i knew it was a process so that's kind of where i and i and i knew it was people's job like they make and i kind of knew probably from the second week of being in a show like oh they're making a tv show it's mm. not just about cooking so reality I, is a, yeah. a a loose term yeah um like it is the final result is about the cooking but then the process of it like so i didn't get too i just made sure that i went along and helped 
the process as much as I could, I suppose, which are... So some other contestants are like, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, the judges didn't speak to me. I'm like, dude, it's like we're at the top 24. They don't care. Like, it's their job. They're not going to memorize 24 new people's names and we're going to get eliminated every every mm. week. What you can do, though, is cook the best that you can do so that they will remember you. They're not going to remember you just because you say hi, you know. So, um, and, and talk to them and don't actually... Don't suck up to them. Like, just treat them like a human being rather than, like, be, don't fangirl them. And respect them. Like, they're people. They're trying to do their job as well. So I kind of got that from public service, I reckon, just understanding process and hierarchy. And also, not the hierarchy, but also just they're human. Mm. Man. They're not these superhuman, you know, deities. They're just, they're human. So they've got a billion other things going on in their life this is just one small part of it so and and also it is just cooking like it's, it's and i did say you know it's, an, it's not a world cup qualifier and no one's gonna die so if you get eliminated it's okay like no one's gonna die mm. and that was kind of my main thing sometimes it's pretty heartbreaking when you you know your mayonnaise splits <laughs> 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 but um and yeah they they make they love that <laughs> but yeah. it is it, you do put your heart and soul in it towards the end you're like oh i had someone uh, i had um alice zeslavsky mm. on here not long ago and she talked a little bit about the process the actual kind of day-to-day realities of mm. it of not having contact with the outside world of mm. being um, in front of a camera, like you said, yeah. for eight hours plus a day and of kind of, the, I guess, from the production side of it, them creating the drama and creating Absolutely. the story. So, I, I, yeah, so, you know, you're locked away from your family and friends and I don't have kids, so you, you people who had kids could go home every third week. So... We went home in five and a half months. We were locked away and went home twice. One was over Easter and another time was just over weekend because we were just melting. And you got two 10-minute phone calls a week. So it's basically, hi, hey, go, go, oh my God, I miss you. Like, what's going on there? And then I got to go. Um, so, and it's sad because I get my best when I'm around friends and, you know, wine in the backyard and just talk shit and listen to good music rather than having to be in a house with mm. people that you know, wouldn't necessarily be living with um and probably talking about food and yeah. doing stuff related to food all the time and, and it was tricky because you you did compete against them and then you had to go and live in the same house as people and so it was it was it was stressful i think for that reason and then just never knowing what was going to go on like you never knew what was the next day was going to hold or mm. I'm, I'm i'm i think i'm pretty resilient but when i'm in when I can control my environment. So, yeah, right. Yeah, one time we were locked. We were separated because we weren't, we didn't get through the challenges. So, we were in this other, we're in the cattle shed. And um, I was coming down with a, a flu. And so, I was really cold. And we didn't have a heater. We were sitting on carpet underlay. It's not like rats, we. And, mm. you know, it was just really, like, I don't mind that it's cold, but if this was my situation, I would be able, we weren't allowed to leave the shed, so I couldn't even gather stuff. You were completely un, out of control of your environment. So that kind of stuff kind of did break you down a bit. So then when you did split your mayonnaise, you did actually think the world was going to end. Yeah, right. And that's what they're so good at, I think. And, it, like, it does make good telly. I think, I think, but I think there is also... I think there'd be just, you know, a great joy in just having a realistic, like the person who's actually, you know, can put the time and effort into making something beautiful. It will still come through no matter what time you mm. have. Yeah. Sometimes the time lines were a bit unrealistic, I thought. Mm. You don't realise how, how, how bad it is. Like when you're at home, you're kind of having a wine, you're like bopping around and then you go... Oh yeah, another five minutes. No worries, and it's but you don't have that, so <laughs> it's dumb. But it's it's all right. It's you know, and like you know, it's it's great because you know had a go, did it, and like and you know after yeah, so after the show, it's you can you, know, you you can pursue, you can choose to pursue the creative endeavor in food, or you can go back to your old life. Like there's no pressure on doing whatever you want. Mm. Um, and I just kind of just kept on chugging. I. Keep what I believe in. Like it's it's a long burn, it's a slow burn, and just keep. I really, you know, believe in, you know, sustainable food and um, 
fair food and as well as bougie food. I love, you know, beautiful cakes and all that stuff as well yeah. but good know, steak and chips oh, good steak and chips but yeah but the, but the messaging about food and like to yeah have yeah good food messaging i think is important mm. and just um just to love it and that's what i love being this tv show has been so fantastic like i think linton and I are up to 160 recipes now so we've cooked wow. on screen and it's just so much fun cooking every day three different dishes each we do about six a day and just having that joy and, and and just making all this great food. It's, it's, mm. it's really fun. And the, the crew loves it too. The crew don't eat. They don't, they don't shop anymore. They just take home all the food and it's great. Can so, I yeah. come and be a crew member on yeah, your show? Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. What, what were some of the or one of the more trying kind of memories that you have of, uh, of your time on MasterChef? Just an example, like we had, I'll tell you the challenge. This is the, this is the one time I did lose it. And I think, oh, there's a few things. I didn't have the confidence to assert myself because there's a lot of, you know, people, personalities who, you know, really, I can cook better. And like, so you're kind of like, oh, well, cool, cool, man. Like, of course you can. I wish I had been a bit more assertive and got a bit more of my food in and, and led a bit more. I didn't mm. really... Um, think I was that good, even though I thought I could I could get through. I didn't think I always didn't want to I didn't want to rock the boat. I suppose so I needed to. Well, be, whatever you did worked. Yeah, I just <laughs> you know just yeah, and I also wish that I um so I I, I didn't get so in, in the group challenges we didn't I, did, I didn't get a lot of my food in. I just cooked other people's food, mm. which is fine. But yeah, I had a lot more up my sleeve for individual challenges that we didn't have actually that many, but you didn't know that. So, and also, so I was like, oh, I cook this, you know, this cake. It's, it's pretty good. You know, I think it's good. Like, I think it can get through the challenge. And people go, oh, no, well, I make this lemon tart. Like, boom. They're like, oh, okay, sure. You can make your lemon mm. tart. Because I wanted to get the dish of the day. So, right. the way I was like, oh, okay, well, sure. You know, I'll just uh, keep my cake and. I have make you lemon tart, you know, so that's kind of thing. Um, and also, so you kind of wished you'd been a bit more yeah, alpha. I think, yeah, a little bit because it was really alpha. Like some mm. people can be really dominant, and like I was like, and I wish I had have had the 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 confidence. Like, oh, I don't think so. There's a few, you know, people like oh, I'm really good at cooking steak. I'll cook the steak. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, it's fine. You cook the steak. I'll just. Where I, I can actually cook steak like a maniac, but I just didn't think I could because mm. they, they said that they could cook it better. And I, I'm like, oh, well, you know, so I wish I had had a bit more. I could um, back, yourself a bit back more. myself a bit yeah. more because it came across on TV that I didn't and I wasn't competent. And also one, you know, a really bad time was when I'm not in control of my situation. So I had to do this carpaccio and the knives were blunt. They looked like they'd been smacked against the side of a metal table like they had divots in them and so I was hacking away at this carpaccio and I, I said these knives are so blunt but we couldn't change them because they were you know sponsored knives and mm. and one and I just lost it I knew they were loving that story so I so I knew the process there wasn't going to be in my favor which is fine but then I got more and more upset and I knew that just the passing of time would get me through the challenge I knew and I was just I was just really lucky it wasn't elimination otherwise mm. yeah it was just a, it was my bad day and it was awful I just remember thinking I had to get really Buddhist and Zen about it and like <laughs> just the passing of time it's okay the sun will rise and the sun will set and then you know then there will be a new day mm. Just keep, but just keep going. I I took every every so that I think I they took every ounce of my being though not to walk out. That's how bad it was. And like I never do anything like that. But I'm like, don't walk out. It's okay. The sun will set. This day will eventually end, and then you can start again. And all I wanted to do is like walk out. I couldn't. It was awful. Is that kind of resilience something that? you feel has been kind of a, a through line through your life, like being able to really take things in perspective. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, just keep going. Like just don't give up. Mm. Just um, even with uni, when I was, I struggled through first year uni, I was I failed half of my subjects in the first semester. And I read this article about country kids dropping out of uni and the stats was like 50% drop out of first year. And I'm like, you're not doing that. No, mm. no, just... You're finishing this, like just even though I probably, you know, I probably could have, 
probably dropped out and done something else. Mm. But I just needed to finish my Bachelor of Arts because I moved to Melbourne for that and I needed to prove to my parents that, you know, I can finish that. Then I'm free to do other things. But they've paid, they've helped me get through uni, you know, mm. paid my rent for the first year. I can't just drop out. It's <laughs> 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 that kind of thing. So it's, yeah. Pretty so good. aside from the grand final episode what what are some of the best memories that you can remember from MasterChef? it's amazing this thing like we lived in this big share house and um didn't have to pay for bills or food (laughs) it was amazing um and um you know i met some wonderful people we you know we traveled to uh dubai that that was pretty cool the cool thing was i won a trip to paris on first class that was pretty amazing wow to say wow this is what this is what first class is that's pretty cool Mm. and just learning heaps about different bits of food and like and before I went on MasterChef and like to now, my food knowledge has just blown out of proportion. It's just crazy. crazy what, was that? what was first class like? Yeah, it was pretty cool. You could lie down, lie on your side, you know, drink champagne. Yeah, just wow. really just lying down is a whole nother level on aeroplane. Mm, I imagine it yeah, would be. Yeah, it's, it's, you do not come with cankles when you land. Like I didn't want, <laughs> didn't want the plane to land. It was, it was really... And I had a shower, mm. so it was it was Emirates. as in you had your own shower. Yeah, well, it was a it was oh, the first class shower. Yeah, yeah. And they so I had a shower up in the air. So oh, I haven't wow. joined the Mile High Club, but <laughs> I have had a shower in um up up in the sky. So you kind yeah. of understand why business people might yeah fork out the extra dollars. Absolutely, if you if you had to deal with business and you had to do business mm. internationally or whatever, the the flight is is you don't you. Like cattle it class, like you're going yeah, to a hotel you're fine. Room or yeah, you you get there, you're refreshed, you can mm. you can actually function. Whereas economy, you do actually have to have a few days to recover <laughs> before you kind of like, hi, hi. you know, there's yeah. the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, there's the Eiffel. Yeah, pretty much. How did you go with uh, with going back to cattle class then? It's okay. It's all relative <laughs> yeah. perspective, isn't it? Yeah, I was thinking that actually because I did win a car. I was part of it. was pretty amazing. So you zip around in this really great car. Before mm. that, I drove a 1984 Ford Falcon, like yeah. a real country bogan car. It's awesome. <laughs> I loved it. I thought, you know what? You, you, you kind of, yeah, you expand and compress according to your situation. Like if, if I lost this that car, then I'd, I'd be happily drive around an old bum again. Mm. Although the air con is pretty good. You mentioned that there was a, a, a challenge in Dubai. What was, uh, what was that experience like? It was it was pretty look it was it was great because we won it um but yeah it was uh, just really intense and also the the cultural differences we had to go through the market and so I had to uh, go through my male partner um, and who was really unaware of anything kind of remotely cultural like he was great but no he's so I had to really like you know try and get that through as well and get. Be in control. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was it was incredible. I was really, um, you know, it was. I wouldn't probably. Oh, we did stay in this ridiculous hotel, um, the Atlantis, Atlantic, Atlantis, that really big famous one. And I did a cartwheel on the um, Burj Al Arab, the big helipad. I did a cartwheel. I thought, I'm up here. I don't care if I get in trouble. I'm doing a cartwheel on this 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 helipad. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I w- that's one thing I wish I had had a photo for. Like, we didn't have wallets or phones, mm. so you were powerless. Mm. Yeah, but it was, that was that was pretty cool. It was hot though. It was so hot. Like, um, George fainted, Samira fainted, and Matt Preston just sweated out of his suit. Like, it was that hot. Yeah, wow. But I said to Linton, like, so Linton and I, we I think we both survived because people were whinging about the conditions. And I said to Linton, I've carted hay, um, in. 40 plus degree days and you cannot stop because a storm is coming and if you if that hay gets wet then it's all over so you've just got to keep going you don't have an option i think that's that country mentality you don't have an option to stop you've Mm. you've got a paddock of hay you've got to throw it on the trailer throw it on the truck and 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 do it you just do it and there's no it's uncomfortable but it's got to be done Mm. i think that's it's kind of that resilience you were talking yeah. about before, you know, the sun will set. Yeah, the sun will set. Day will end. Yeah, the day will end you, and you you probably won't die. You might get a bit of heat exhaustion. <laughs> but you, <laughs> it's but unlikely it, that it's you'll un, die. It's unlikely and, it's, it's, and that's the thing. It's, um, yeah, just keep going. Mm. Yeah. So 
as MasterChef's kind of going on, I know you said when you started it, you didn't go on with the uh, intent or desire to win. But as it's kind of going on and you're starting to see everyone mm. getting eliminated and you start thinking, maybe I am a, maybe I'm a maybe chance I at can this. Go this. Yeah. That was kind of weird. I was like, get on it, get some free publicity, see how you go. And then... Open a restaurant. Yeah. You know, cruise along, boom. And then kind of went like, got in there like, hang on a minute, maybe I could. I could do this. Mm. And like, and then you just had achievable goals, like so 16th and then 10th. And like, oh, in the top 10, no, that's pretty cool. And then mm. oh, top five, like, huh. Huh. But you did. Yeah, you never, you, I never quite believed. Um, I did, but I didn't. Like I thought, mm, yeah, but then, huh. and then I thought, oh, well, just keep going. Just, you know, I, I never, like I, I had both my ankles were sprained towards the end. I remember in the finale, I, I, I whipped the cream. I'm like, oh my God, I cannot run to get another bowl. But like, just do it. Just run. So I'm hobbling over to get the bowl. Like, and I you know, put on heaps of weight too. Like, it was like, I was really out of shape. And um, got back. I just, I just remember the pain. I said, oh, that's all I remember from finale is my ankles is hurting so much. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, did it got there just and so they filmed two different um two different endings mm. uh when you're in the um, production period mm. so you don't actually know no and you know i was convinced that we could go either way because and it was down to you and linton who you yeah. now work with on yeah. this show and live with, <laughs> and live with. <laughs> um yeah so and it was pretty close and um, you just you just don't know. Like it could be, could have gone either way. Mm. And so, what were you thinking when, when you did actually when it, when it did go to air and you were watching? Because it must have been a little bit after. How, how long after you filmed? I think it was it? a month. A month. So yeah. you got to wait a month, and I guess the first three weeks are probably whatever, and then the last week is just like, come on. Yeah, just I just well, I think we're both in shock. Like I just kind of lay on the couch and. Didn't know what to do. And everyone was like, oh, how have you gone? Like, oh, I don't actually know. Mm. Um, and they only told us the day it was aired. So so then, so we did find out before it actually aired but mm. by about six hours. Mm. So. And, and what did it mean to you to win it? What was the, what did you feel? I kind of, I didn't feel anything because it was so, you didn't get that initial emotion mm. the first time i felt like i'd wanted i was doing a cooking demo in south africa and i got a standing ovation i was like oh yeah no i've done something here like that's cool yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so it was really it was weird so you kind of never really feel like it's i think it's only hitting me now mm. a little bit too that's three years later that's very cool yeah and so from that you got um a book deal mm. um and the kind of platform to be able to do what you wanted yeah. to do in food. You mentioned earlier that it was a little bit kind of confronting, like the fame sort of element of uh, of winning it. It was actually funny from doing the track cycling. I so the track cycling was a talent identification program. So they identified that you had potential, but then it was up to you to pursue it after the program had finished. Mm. It was a guy's PhD program. After the program had finished, it was up to you to pursue a coach and to train and to pursue track cycling so with MasterChef I knew that it was up to me to pursue what I wanted to do and um, the scope did change a little bit because of my personal situation with the restaurant but I um I I, you know, I spoke to a few other contestants like, oh, we haven't been offered anything. I was like, well, it's not being about being offered stuff. It's about you going to pursue mm. what you want to do and to use the opportunity, use this platform. You know, you can, you could choose to jump off or you can choose to back down or whatever you want. So, and, and just, you know, I, I kind of knew it could be a long, a long haul, but it's something I get really really passionate about and I love seeing people when they go oh I can do that and mm. and or seeing new ideas so I make this carrot top pesto as part of a zero waste workshop that I do and people just go nuts for it and it makes me so happy like it's really really cool so yeah it's a good platform but you've got to put in the work oh yeah, and you've got to be true to yourself like you've got to do stuff that you believe in because it will come away as inauthentic and well I can't be inauthentic so I have to be true to myself mm. I can't pretend or something i'm not it's a really uh it's a really beautiful sentiment and i think it's a great way to uh 
kind of wrap up the uh, the interview. There was one thing that I read. There was a quote that you said, which is where that food is where nature meets culture. Yeah, nature and culture intersect. It was from Alex Atala. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Like you can really take it as far as you want, or as little as you want. But it is. Uh, it's such a wonderful um, medium from like a country kid coming to the city. I can choose to embrace it, and it's it is it is so wonderful. And mm. you know it is accessible, but it is cultural. And I think we're really lucky in Melbourne too. It's such a melting pot of culture and. Mm. It's magnificent, really. You can. It's so magnificent, and um, yeah. So I think it's, and you can really get a sense of different cultures, and and also the the nature, like the foraging and all of the the different seasons. And um, I love that about food. Is it gives you something to look forward to eating seasonally. I love like mm, you know, and breaking bread with people. Yeah, yeah. That communal sort of yeah. Element. It's really. It's really. It's really, it's a really great thing, and it's, and it gives you, yeah. But it's something to look forward to in the seasons, like you. So you have these kind of, you know, you don't get great tomatoes in winter, and so you have this great kind of something to look forward to socially and also um, seasonally. Mm. So yeah, so yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of rad. Mm, yeah, it's very rad. Yeah, I like well, it. Thank you, Emma Dean, for inviting me into your home to do Thank a little you. ramble. Oh, it's um, great. I had a great ramble. I had a, I've, had a, I've had a great time chatting with you, and I, and I think it's really amazing that you choose to use this platform to inspire other people to give I it a go so. and see Make what it happens. accessible, yeah. Yeah, see where life takes you. Yeah, life's too short to, to think what if. Yeah. Yeah, and if you if you have a safety a backup plan, then I say go for it. <laughs> I still my risk adverse in there, but yeah, and even if you and like just make it a backup plan, not yeah, the not yeah, the first plan. That's it, and make sure I did have, you know, a point like I said to um, uh, a job interview. I said I don't. I want to be. I want to be doing the creative thing um, by June twenty sixteen. Mm. And where are we? Oh, we're in July. Oh, I'm like getting there. Mm. <laughs> we're in July. We're getting there. But yeah, so you got to, and by putting a bit of a timeline on it, you just put it out there. And yeah. It's good. It's good to do. Um, put a bit I, of pressure on yourself. Mm. And I think the whole like manifesting is working really hard and creating and yeah. uh, and seeing opportunities that come your way. And just keep, I actually reading a really good book, actually, um, Catherine Devaney, um, Use Your Words. And she said, uh, success is not from being a perfectionist. Success is being a, a, is about being a completionist. Mm, that's so, awesome. I love yeah, that. it's cool. It's really cool. It's like yeah, eighty percent is good enough, and <laughs> it is. Like just that'll do. And I mm. think that's the good thing about it too. Like it's just just finish what what you've been doing. Yeah. Like, just just push through. Like, keep going. Well, on that note, I feel like we could keep going for yeah, ages and ages but um i have one last question yes. that i like to ask everyone at yes. the end of the show which is what makes you silly silly like uh, uh, all the things sugar and good music <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you have whiz fizz and put on some frank sinatra I've got the new Avalanches album here. It's fantastic. It, I was playing this last night and having a red wine. And I was having quite a good time. Um, just, just joyful. Just yes. Mm. You know, we're pretty lucky. We live in a pretty good part of the world at the moment, so it's we're lucky. Yeah, it's mm. great. Sugar red wine and the Avalanches. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> Thank you so much, Emma.